Hello and welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast. My name is Eric. I'm Sarah. Welcome. I hope you're doing well. A couple weeks into quarantine now. We have kind of a different episode for you this week. Um, this is something we've wanted to do for a while. I think we've also discussed the possibility of doing it in previous episodes. But uh, for those of you who are kind of new to the podcast or have maybe just been listening to it um, from the beginning of the episodes that are available right now on streaming platforms, we had a first generation of episodes that we started back in like mid-2018. And we ended up taking those down and starting from scratch. However, we thought some of them were worth sharing. Yeah. So <laughs> this week is a conversation that we had with my dad, Glenn, when we visited my parents' house in New York in September of 2018. So long ago. Um, you'll see the title is what we originally called it and what we're calling it now, which is What is Life, Dad? <laughs> because... Uh, I still think it's funny. <laughs> it's two, oh, like two years later, I think it's still funny. Right. Um, also, it's not even close to being two years. It's a year and a half. That's how time works. Yeah. So, yeah, but before we get into that, we just wanted to kind of do a little catch up on where we are in real, real time. Yep, yep. So, yeah, it's day something or other of our self-isolation, mm -hmm. and we've been running and walking. <laughs> And eating snacks that we ordered online and going to the store sometimes. Yeah. It's just weird. Just got a text this morning from, what, state of Colorado, mm -hmm. that our self-isolation self period has been extended to at least April 26th. So for us, that means like all non-essential businesses are closed. And we're not supposed to go anywhere except for open space, basically. Yeah. So we can go on a walk. We were we went to the track, um, like a. It's not even connected to a high school, is it? Is it connected uh, it's connected to, to a. School? It's a middle school. Right. We went to a middle school track that's within walking distance of our house the other day to do some high intensity interval training. And, and we got kicked off. Right. Well, a along with city employee. Everyone else said that the track, and um, like all park equipment, you know, that makes sense. We we met up with our friend who lives in Boulder. And we were like, yeah, let's do some sprints together. And we just stayed far apart from each other the whole time, yeah. which was really weird. Not like interacting with a friend you haven't seen in a few weeks, right? but also not from being six plus feet away. Yeah. Like not being, oh, hi, high five. Good to see you. You know, like we have a handshake that we couldn't do. Yeah. It's just weird. It's a weird thing. Truly. Um, but you know what confuses me? Like Billie Eilish posted on her Instagram today. It was like a, it was a repost on her story of a sign somewhere in LA. And it was like, if 90% of us stay in, this will be gone in four weeks. If 80% of us stay in, it'll be 13 weeks. And if 70% of us stay in, uh, like it's not going to be able to be contained. And then the end of it, the end of the notice was like, oh, what did it say? It was like, don't go to non-essential, don't do non-essential shopping, basically. Right. And I was like, isn't everything closed? Yeah. How I are, where was, are people going? Maybe it's not the case everywhere. It definitely is here from what I understand. I mean, you Eric needed something from Best Buy the other week and he ordered it online and then we did like curbside pickup. Pickup. Yeah. With like minimal contact. He had already prepaid. So there was no exchange of money 
And now I have to go return it curbside, which I'm hoping I can do. Yeah. But I'm truly not sure. But yeah. It's complicated. We keep not, we're not running out of food. We're just like running, we keep running out of produce and snacks. Yeah. It's so annoying. Well, we will go and every time we go grocery shopping, because we're trying to keep our, our trips few and far between, we buy a little bit more than the last time. And every time we're like, all right, definitely not coming back yeah. for like two weeks. And then we go through it. It's like a week every time. <laughs> yeah. I just can't believe how long this has been going on already. Yeah, it's 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 starting to all blur together. I don't fully remember yeah. when it started. I had some intense conversations with people, and by people I mean a person uh, via Instagram, who doesn't think the whole thing is a hoax, but just thinks... I don't know. I mean, you. I read you the conversation. Do they just think like everyone's overreacting? They kind of said, "If you get it, get it and accept your fate." Yeah. And I'm like, like, and that's why it's ridiculous to wear a mask to the grocery store. And mm. I'm like, I mean, I, I believe any any conspiracy you want about the government, even if one of those conspiracies is true. Like, I'm gonna wear a mask to the supermarket because. I just just in the off chance I don't yeah. want to die, so like well, can it's you more for not? <laughs> yeah, it's more for just pre- preventing the spread of it if you have it and don't know. People like them have a problem with feeling like the government's controlling everything you do. So if the government says wear a mask, you're like don't be a sheep, don't wear a mask. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, the government already kind of controls everything we do. That's what the government is for in a way. And uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like we don't we don't have a choice. I it doesn't hurt to wear a mask. I don't know. I would agree. I don't care if I get made fun of for wearing a bandana over my face. Well, everyone is now, you know. That's that is true. But it's just a it's a psycho time right now. Yeah. Yeah. We've been running though. We've been doing that couch to five k program. Mm-hmm. We're gonna finish it on uh, Tuesday of next week. Mm-hmm. That's our last run. So that'll be, we've, there's two options, I believe, if you're using the app, you can go by distance or by time. Oh, yeah. And just for the sake of ease, I've, I've been going by time. So we're working up to 30 minutes of running continuously. And for me, because of my pace, that's not going to quite be the 5k distance, Yeah. but it's 30 minutes. And then I think for a while, I'm going to keep running that 30 minutes and just hope that my pace increases and I cover more mileage over time. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, we might just not start the Couch to 10K program right after. Seems like a lot. And work on, do a little speed work and try to get our 5K time a little faster before we start. Mm-hmm. But Because we're not running a 10K until September. Right. The one we were supposed to do next month is now in September. Right. As you all probably well know. Mm-hmm. So I'll now. probably several weeks out from that Yeah. start the actual program. Uh, can I say, can I ask our audience something random quickly? I want to have, mm, I, I'm, I want to kind of have more guests on the podcast, like people to interview and whatnot, like we did with Jasmine and Chris a few weeks ago, but I don't know whom. So if you have any recommendations or suggestions of people who we could feasibly contact, you know, it's not like I'm Conan O'Brien and we can just find any celebrity to interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyone feasible that could be an interesting convo, hit us up. Send us an email at whatislifedudeshow at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. 
because that was fun and uh i'd like to do it again sometime Hmm. yeah any other updates you want to give we have a music video live oh yeah duh for our cover of lover which came out many moons ago (laughs) and the footage for the music video has been sitting on my computer 99 percent edited (laughs) i just needed to color grade it and i got busy and i kept forgetting about it and i finally knocked it out yesterday so that is now live on our cute threat youtube channel heck yeah go over there like and subscribe and ring that bell wow i don't know what the ring of the bell does i think it gives you like notifications when someone uploads interesting so you know right away that algorithm i'm really losing my voice are you yeah i made i made sarah sing something the other day i didn't make her but (laughs) i had a freelance music job and they wanted a female vocalist for a song and i was like hey babe do you want to sing i'll pay you so that could that be that could be a contributing factor just everything talking to a camera constantly Mm. it being dry because i am huffing and puffing it's so dry yeah i am officially over the dry air in this state yeah we're making bread oh yeah that's my last update i've been really into uh yeasty things Mm. i'd like to what (laughs) Mm. (laughs) i get i'd like to make some donuts some actual real fried donuts i would love that yeah though we're making some more of that new york times no need bread and And some ice cream oh yeah your new ice cream maker i got a new a lightly used ice cream maker and um i posted about it on my instagram stories and actually a lot of people sent me articles and gave me some tips that's awesome apparently apparently vegan ice cream is not quite as straightforward as the dairy kind shocking yeah not at all yeah well have you ever made ice cream no i have a handful of times it's so good yeah homemade ice cream mm. i made like mint chip i think i've made butter pecan pecan and <laughs> pecan i just feel like if you put milk like i just feel like you could just make ice cream out of milk so easily but i yeah, feel like with cream. V- okay it's the it's the fat content that makes it um not icy that makes it creamy and there's like no fat in plant milk yeah so it's got to be you know cashew or almond or coconut based and then you have to be careful i guess about the kinds of sugar you use a lot of people were recommending that i use agave actually because i guess it doesn't mm. freeze so are you so gonna it maintains like the softness of it hmm are you gonna make like a like a almond or cashew sweetened heavy cream type deal and then put that in the ice cream maker i have not decided i'm sure okay. that i'm gonna have to put some oil in there i would guess hmm. i don't know i need to do research i would like to start with just finding out a, a plain vanilla base yeah and then like really what i wanted the reason i finally bit <laughs> the bullet and bought the uh ice cream maker because it has been on my wish list for quite some time is it because of the cookie dough brownie ice cream you want to make Right, so Eric and I bought some Ben and Jerry's. Jerry's. We haven't bought Ben and Jerry's in like a long time because there are so many options now. But we finally revisited the Ben and Jerry's thing and I just found myself consistently underwhelmed. I mean, it's good. It's ice cream. It's full of sugar. It's so sugary. But they had, um, I forget all their flavors now. They have so many non-dairy flavors at this point, but I really am a fan of the inclusions 
I love like crunchy chocolate. I love chocolate swirls. I love caramel swirls. I love cookie dough. I love like cookies and cream, like chunks of Oreos. And I especially love brownies. But in. so I want to make all of that from scratch. But Sarah doesn't like the brownies. No. In the Ben and Jerry's. They're terrible. Are they gluten free? Enough. Is that why? They probably are. <laughs> yeah. But so Sarah's goal is to make the perfect Ben and Jerry's like flavor right. for herself. Well, also. And me. I, I, maybe it's just because like the way I was raised to be uh, frugal. And so we never bought Ben and Jerry's or like Hagen dazs We just would always buy like Briars, you know, the big tub of ice cream. And um, I, I, $6 for a pint of ice cream, it doesn't sit well with me. You know, it, it drives me loco. Can I be so annoying right now? What? I think the only ice cream I remember having in the house ever was Hagen dazs <laughs> Right. Which... Of course. Which you makes total sense, you doesn't it? Posh little bitch. Yeah. That was <laughs> you can you can blame my dad and my stepmom for that. They're the posh <laughs> bitches. Right. In the situation. I'm not, I mean I'm not knocking it. I understand why people do spend money on ice cream. I think right, it's great. But something deep in my soul makes me cringe when I spend Oh yeah. That money. Me too. <laughs> I mean I don't, I don't understand how dairy and sugar could cost that much yeah like why is ice cream so expensive i guess it's like the quality I of the milk yeah i mean i haven't looked at regular ice cream prices so i don't know if they're the same yeah maybe it's vegan ice cream is more expensive it definitely definitely is who knows anyway well <laughs> without further ado we're going to play back the what is life dad episode from a few years back um I don't think I need to, but I'm going to apologize for the quality of the audio. It's just, it just wasn't as good back then, people. I don't think anyone will be able to tell it. I don't think so either, but I'm such a stickler for it that yeah. I had to say something. All right. Um, yeah. There are, go there are going to be like references to things that might not make sense now. Like what? Did you listen to it again? I listened to parts of it, but I just, I feel like, be like, oh yeah, in our last episode, oh, okay. you know, or stuff that just is irrelevant to our lives. Like I'm at one point I was like, I have a full-time job. So just cool. remember so many things have changed. Since hey, remember then. when you had a full-time job? You know, I do. I try not to, <laughs> but I do. So, uh, we, we will talk live quote unquote at you next week. And for now, enjoy this episode with my dad. Hello, and welcome back to What Is Life Dude, episode 10. We are here today with Sarah, as always. Hey. I said that like I'm the uh, the host, the <laughs> only host of the podcast, when really it's both of us. So we're here uh, with the co-host, Sarah. Hi. And my dad, Glenn Ames. Our Hello first there. guest. Yay. I'm, I'm going to put in an applause there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so... We are here in my dad's basement in New York, and we're going to kind of ask him some questions about what life is. Dude. Dude. What should we name this episode? What is dad, dude? <laughs> what is life, dad? What is... <laughs> That's great. That's what is great. life, dad? That's amazing. <laughs> yes. 
that's why you brought me in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we also brought him in because uh, he has a he's done voiceover work in his time, and by his time I mean like in like the last few years, and he has the uh, majestic deep voice that I don't have. Yes. Hello there. Welcome <laughs> to the DJ voice. Um. So yeah, we're kind of just gonna freeform it. We don't really have a topic. We figured since Dad is here, we can uh, just ask him questions about life and his life and things that we struggle with mm-hmm. at our age and see if he struggled with those same things at his. Is your microphone okay? My microphone is great. Okay. I wasn't Thank sure you. if it was slipping down and need to be, if you need an adjust, just, just holler. Will do. Thank you. Um, okay. So we get a lot of questions written into us about things that you know we also struggle with. Mm-hmm. So... We get a lot about, I have these passions, but I have this job. How do, I, how do I pursue my passion while also working this job and trying to be an adult? And it's, it's hard. People, people out of college, like just out of college, people who have been out of college for a while but still need to like kind of find themselves. Right. So I, I know the story, but I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> so you graduated college and then... What did you do after that? Can you give us a... We're going to like interview Dad the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that's fine. I, first, let me say thank you for having me to the two of, of you. Of course. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. It's exciting. Yeah. And yeah, I, I went away to college. It was, I graduated high school in 1977, all those years ago. <laughs> and I was a theater geek, a theater guy. I did tons of theater, all from elementary school all the way up through high school. I loved it in music and was in bands and choir and all that stuff and did all the school musicals and all the plays. So I was a theater major in college and I went to the University of Hartford. And so when I graduated from there in 1981, I decided after a lot of deliberation that I was going to go pursue theater in New York City because that was my passion and that's what I wanted to do. And as everybody knows, that's a really tough gig to get. And that's what everyone wants to do. Yeah, everybody who's an actor wants theater. to do that. And when you go into the city, pretty much every waiter you ever encounter or anything is a wannabe actor or musician or stand-up comic or somebody in the arts, pretty much. So, yeah, I decided I was going to give that a shot, and I knew it wouldn't be easy. But uh, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself had I not gone in and give it the try and... I had confidence, and I knew I was good and talented, but so are 8 billion other people who go into the city. So I knew I was going to have to deal with that. So, right. and that's, so that's, how, that's how I feel as a musician. Obviously, mm-hmm. as both of you guys know, it's like we, we go and book these shows in the city, and by the city, now I mean Denver, and you know, there are a bunch of other local bands with people my age. Does that keep sliding down? It's not. I'm just thinking it's sliding down. It's <laughs> We're talking really about the not. microphone for yes. uh, the people listening on the CDs. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we, we play these shows downtown and there are a billion other dudes and a billion other bands. And it's kind of like, I'm sure how it, it was like in New York City back then. It's like the Spider-Man meme where the two exact Spider-Mans look at each other and they're pointing at each other like, I thought it was you. And they're like, I thought it was you, but they're identical. Just like a bunch of Spider-Men like, hey, wait, we're, we're all the mm-hmm. same. We're all in the same boat playing the same kind of music and... Uh, uh, for me, it was going to open casting calls, and I'd be online waiting to audition, and I'd see people leaving who looked just like me, my <laughs> oh type, my and I was like, okay, they don't want my type, so I'd get off the line and I'd leave, you right. know? So It's, it's like uh, there's an episode of Friends, which we just talked about Friends. Yeah, on we an need episode. to keep watching it. Um, you know, Joey's an actor, and 
How he, you doing? How you doing? <laughs> he keeps, obviously, as a running joke of the show, he keeps he always steals food from the girls across the, uh, from Rachel and Monica across the hall. Okay. So at one point he, he, he's he's trying to find someone to be his twin, so he can go in and like do a do like a scientific study on twins, and he doesn't have a twin, so he hires someone who looks like him to pretend to be his twin, so he can get the money from the study. So as a test to see if this guy he hired is the right guy, he sends a man dressed as himself into their apartment and just goes into the fridge and starts eating their food. And Monica's like, uh, who are you? <laughs> He's like, I'm Joey. How you doing? And he like busts in. He's like, no, 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 no. It's how you doing? And like, he says the catchphrase wrong. But yeah, it reminds me of like, all the people like trying to be Joey, and he's walked into uh, he's walked into auditions in the show, and yep. like they all look like young Italian men. Yep. What was your type? I, this is just an off the cuff uh, character actory. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a you know back then I was not a tall, dark, handsome, leading man type. I you was still aren't. Spoiler short, alert: chubby, <laughs> losing my hair, and I was a character actor. But yeah. you know, I mean, I had talent, but it was I mean to get back to the story Sorry. that I know that you wanted to yeah. approach. Um, so I started, I got a job waiting tables in the mm-hmm. city and I did that and I went, started going on open casting calls and I was not part of the union, so I couldn't go on a number of those type of auditions, but I would go on many, many auditions. It was very frustrating and it was hard to keep your confidence up mm-hmm. and it was the longest I ever went actually without performing yeah. up until then in my life because I was always in plays and, you know, as much as you audition, it's very tough to get a gig. So it was, yeah. it was, it was very frustrating. It was very disheartening is really what it is and they always say to do something like this you've really got to have a tough skin Mm -hmm. and be able to keep retain your confidence while you're trying to do all this and it was very difficult so i lasted that's what i was gonna ask yeah I, i lasted about a total of three and a half years maybe wow of living in the city and auditioning and i really i didn't get burned out on the audition process i got burned out at the rejection mm-hmm. i don't have a tough skin and i was found myself losing confidence i found myself just not wanting to be any part of the business aspect of theater because right. there's a creative aspect which is great and there's a business aspect and the business aspect really sucks when yeah. you're trying to go through it yeah you can get lucky you go on your first audition and get cast in something and great mm-hmm. but you know most people want you know one out of a hundred gets that the other 99 out of a hundred you know will suffer through lots of auditions and hopefully one day make it and a lot don't ever so it was frustrating, and by year three and a half, I had pretty much said to myself, I'm going to find another way to stay in theater and keep myself doing it, but I can't sit here and do this anymore, and I lost my will. So, so how did you decide... How did you decide that it was okay? And this is, this is the root of the question, really. Right. How did you decide yeah. that it was, it was okay for you yes. to stop and live with yourself? Because at that time, there were a couple of factors, and at that time, I felt... Number one, that I had given it my all for those three and a half years. I felt good about the fact that later on in my life, I wouldn't look back and say, I didn't give it a hard enough try Mm -hmm. or I didn't do it long enough and try for five years instead of three and a half. I felt good about what I had tried. And I also, at that time, I had met somebody who I was in a relationship with who turned out to be your mother. Oh my God, this is like the show, <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> and, that. Huh? 
I was no, nothing. <laughs> I don't know. What'd you say? I, I thought I, I was going to ask if you were planning that joke. Oh, uh, I wasn't actually. <laughs> okay. But it would be like me to plan that like all week. <laughs> You'd be waiting on it. Waiting yeah. for the opportunity yeah. to throw it in there. But. But anyway, you know, once you're in a relationship now and you're in your mid-20s and it's getting more serious and you're thinking about what you're going to do and eventually now you start thinking about marriage and maybe kids down the line and you think, how long can I do this and not start a career? And it's different for everybody, but I had an opportunity to move somewhere and work at a school and teach at a school where I could design stage sets and teach kids high school and middle school age kids how to design and build scenery and be involved in their shows and kind of impart the wisdom I had up until then to these kids which I thought would be awesome and that's a whole nother story because it wasn't as awesome as I thought it would be. Because Spoiler alert, it wasn't. I, well, the, the problem for me became I didn't really learn anything anymore at that point. I was just mm-hmm. giving these kids what I knew until they knew as much as I knew. And then I couldn't really give them much anymore. I didn't really know much. So more than, you know, I wasn't learning. I wasn't continuing to learn. Yeah. So You were but, at a point where you wanted to, you wanted to keep growing and not just exactly that couldn't exactly i wasn't growing at that point but again that's a whole nother thing but yeah yeah, it got to the point to get back to the original thing it got to the point for me where i made a decision that i felt i had put in as good enough of an effort i was going to be able to do my heart was not in it as much anymore i had an opportunity to get another quote-unquote real job Mm -hmm. that was involved with theater and i seized the opportunity and that led me kind of down a different path Mm -hmm. yeah but I never stopped doing theater, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. But I never, I've been doing community theater and that type of thing forever since then to keep my creative juices flowing. And that's been enough for me. It satisfied me that way. Yeah, so you, you can still have your, have your theater aspect of your life, and, you know, without making it your whole thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I own a business for many years, but I'm also doing theater on the side. So I'm able to have a career, make enough money to raise children and support a family and also be involved in theater. But it was not I've never I've never fulfilled that dream of mine to be an equity actor and perform in New York and ultimately my ultimate dream and goal to be on Broadway. So but are you OK with that now? I am OK with that. I mean, there were times I watch the Tony Awards every year and I get a little envious mm-hmm. and wish it was me up there accepting my Tony. And, yeah. you know, like every Broadway show I see, which I love going to Broadway theater. I kind of, oh, which part could I play? And I wish I was up there. But yeah, I'm I'm good with it. I don't have regrets at all. Yeah. But sometimes I wish I had made it. Obviously, that way. Now we're gonna bu- we're gonna get a bunch of people like, like it's it's not too late, Glenn. You can, you can go do it. Like, um, well, it's funny because I'm jumping around now. But you mentioned that I do voiceover work. So yeah. when I started that a few years ago, I jumped into it so enthusiastically, and within about two months realized wow, I'm going down the same path of audition and rejection. Mm -hmm. And it all came flooding back to me from 30 years prior when I was doing that. And I had kind of forgotten that, yeah, voiceovers will have the same business side of it that theater will. And there's a million voiceover artists out there and you just got to be the right voice for what they're looking for. So, Well, the thing about my dad is he's a great actor and a great singer and a great dad. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> but well, we talked. We mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast. The first time I remember seeing you on stage was during Fiddler on the Roof in 1998. 1998. How yep. many times have you played the lead role? Thank you very much of Tevia 
in Fiddler on the Roof. I have played right it six times. My senior year in college was the first time, mm-hmm. which was really an honor because they kind of picked the show around it for me, which was, I was very honored for that. It was my last shot, and they knew that I would be good at that role. And it, not, they didn't say it to me at the time, but it was obvious. And so that was the first time I did it. And then I didn't do play the part again for another probably 15, almost 20 years until in the last 15 years or so, I've played it five more times. Yeah. Yes. It's great. We've seen we've seen it on Broadway. I don't know if I have. No, I don't think you've seen Fiddler on Broadway, no. I've seen the movie and I've seen mm-hmm. videos of the people on Broadway. And every time mm-hmm. I'm like, dad's better than that. It's <laughs> <Which is> true. <laughs> Thank there, you. There are videos on YouTube. <laughs> yes. Um, there but, are. Yeah, so how, how did you realize that like the feeling of having kids and getting married and having a quote-unquote career job how did that overtake the passion did it just blend into one kind of i gave it my all i have to yeah i think it happens organically i think as your life is changing and shifting your mindset kind of changes and shifts with it so at the same time, I was getting really boiling over in frustration over not being cast in anything and constantly going on auditions. My life was also changing to a point where I was saying to myself, at some point, I got to make some decisions and quote unquote, settle down. So, and that's ultimately how it all happened. Like the timing just kind of all melded together as my life went on. And I decided that's it. You know, I'll I'll give up this part of it, but I'm certainly not going to give up theater altogether. And right, as long as as long as it's okay with you to, you know, only only uh, do. When you see, I want to use the word better than do, but do your passion um, right more than your pursue full-time. your passion. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've been awfully silent. Yeah. Well, can can you relate to? this i mean i know we we can both relate to your your passion and because we both obviously also have passions certainly i think i'm like one step further back here because he said he like put in his all and you're also in the process of doing that on the side and for me it was sort of like even before the point where i would let myself give it give it my all i told my i kind of disqualified myself as far as music goes especially and for with writing as well for a while so I'm sort of, I don't know. You Weaning know. yourself back onto... Uh, yeah, telling myself it's okay to spend time doing those things even though I might not make money out of out of them or make them my full-time thing. So it's, so it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of backwards, mm-hmm. right? You graduated school and you had jobs. I had the job, yeah. And then you started your YouTube channel, yeah. which is a passion. As a hobby. A- well, and and at, work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now you're kind of letting yourself do the things you liked. I mean, you keep talking about how since we've been watching Bob Ross, mm-hmm. um, you want to start painting and yeah. trying that because you, you can draw. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I've never seen you draw, but... Really? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, that used to be one of my favorite things. Yeah. I always listed like, I want to be a poet or a singer, an artist when I was asked as a little kid. Yeah. So now you're working backwards. Yeah, I am. You're going to get to a point where it's like, Okay, so when is it going to be okay for me to uh, <laughs> No, I think that's great, though, because I think there's a lot less pressure mm-hmm. on you. You're not looking to, like, I have to go out there and get a professional job and mm-hmm. make it and do this. Yeah. You're saying, now's the time. I can give back to myself and get myself back into these things that I like to do mm-hmm. and pursue them more. And yeah. So I think that's a great way to do it. It's a lot less pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas I'm in the same boat that you were because I work a full time job and you know go play right. go play shows with the band and everything and mm-hmm. hope someone's listening at some point. Um, but my heart's still a hundred percent in it, which is well. Do you think about the time when you know you have to make some sort of a decision, or has that not come up for you yet? Kind of. I don't. I don't know what the hell I would do as like to to pursue a career job. I don't know what that would mean right now. I don't really feel qualified to do anything. I mean, my degree is in audio production, and. There just aren't that many like studio music studio jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't even know what a s- career job would look like for me. But well, I have kind of thought about it. I think I could see you ultimately. I don't know if it's starting your own business or working for somebody, but doing something. You have a business acumen. You have an interest in business. You've always been interested in my business and asking me things. And I, you know, I believe that you definitely have an interest in that. You could be happy doing some sort of business as long as it was tied into what you love to do, I think. So I can yeah. see you having some sort of music business, maybe. That's why That's why on the side of the band, I've also been trying to get myself into freelance music work, podcast editing, and jingle. Everyone tells me mm-hmm. I should just make jingles for people. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> so I'm just like, ribbity-beep-bop, wonder bread. <laughs> Constantly. I'm just, but it, everything's, every jingle will be, ribbity-beep-bop, insert like product name. Right? Wonder bread, please send the check. <laughs> yes, uh, that will be $4 billion. Thank you. My address is beep. Um, yeah, so, okay, so Sarah and I have talked about how growing up we've we've always had the idea like we've wanted kids like we've separately, you know, right. Um, <laughs> uh, to have, we have something to tell you. Uh-oh. No. Um, yeah, yeah, we've always like, Oh yeah. Like I've always wanted kids. I've always wanted kids too. And now that we've been together and I don't know, just being adults are kind of like, well, we have all these things we want to do and all these passions we want to pursue. I, I don't know if we want kids anymore because it seems like so much to, it just seems like if you have a kid, it takes away so much opportunity to do things and to, to travel and to work a full-time job and pursue well, music. I think it, it gives you an opportunity to pursue other things. It doesn't give you, you know, it doesn't take away your opportunity to do things, but it might take away opportunity to do the things you want to do right now at where you are in your life. So I think it's perfectly natural to... As you're growing up, say, yeah, I want kids. Yeah, I love kids. One day I want to have kids. And then when you're, you know, in your somewhere in your mid-20s or so and your your life has changed to where you're more, for lack of a better word, living a more adult kind of a responsible lifestyle mm-hmm. to say, wow, I'm busy and life is all that. And I don't really, I can't even see myself now not giving to myself and having to give everything to kids. Yeah. I think there's a certain natural thing about that. Just uh, FYI, we are already both in our mid twenties, so well, thank that's you. what I mean. Oh that's what. No, but that's why I think yeah. that's natural for you at this age. But at some point, well, at some point, a lot of women feel that biological mm-hmm. clock, and so mm-hmm. they naturally have more of an inclination to go back to wanting children. Is that a real thing? I think it is. It yeah, is yeah a real I've heard thing. a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about that. I know. In case many you didn't know, people. I'm a man, so um, I wouldn't know. 
just but, kidding. But you know what? We were talking, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you and I have talked about it, how the other week I was like trying to get all my licenses and stuff transferred over to Colorado. And so I had my mom send me, send me my birth certificate and it had her age and my dad's age on there. And my mom was 26. And I was like, holy crap. My yeah. mom had me when she was younger than yeah. me. And then I've asked like other adults when, did, like, cause I don't actually feel like an adult sometimes. I still feel like a child, even though. I think most adults yeah. feel like that. I asked my aunt, when did you start feeling like an adult? She was like, yeah, I think it was when I was 36. Yeah. That was a good year. I'm like, oh my God. That was a good year. Like, it's just insane. When did you start of, feeling yeah. like Well, an wait, adult. just to put it into perspective, my mom had four children, of which mm-hmm. I'm the youngest by the time she was 25. What? <laughs> so think That's about that. Grandma. I mean, back in the day, that was very normal when they yeah. were having kids. They started mm-hmm. very young. Yeah. And, <coughs> excuse me. It's crazy. But yeah. So when did I start... Well, our situation was a little different. I know you know some of this, but, you know, your mom, I always wanted kids. I came from a very close family. I have three older sisters, and we were always pretty close, and we're still very close, even though geographically we're not. Um, So I always knew I wanted kids. It wasn't like, I got to have 20 kids, but I knew I wanted kids. (laughs) He was like, I need to have 19. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But your mom wasn't so sure when she was younger, and that's when we were, she was at the time in her early 20s. Because when, well, mid-20s, when we got married, she was about 25. Mm -hmm. So, and still didn't. And over time, I think the biological clock thing kicked in because, she said, I think I do want to have kids after a lot of discussion. And I was like, that's great. That's, you know, woo yeah. and, uh And then we had two kids, as you know. And <laughs> two? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but yeah, so I think for me, for me, it wasn't a decision of when I wanted kids as much as when the right time was after we got married and if your mom wanted kids, you know, ultimately. Mm-hmm. I think if she didn't, I probably could have lived with that, but I, we never mm, got thanks, to that Dad. point. Well, <laughs> obviously, I'm very thankful now that I have you guys. I'm kind of thankful, too. Actually, but. life is kind of stressful sometimes, so maybe I was, would just be better off not having to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're better off this way. But and And for mom, I mean, our mom loves us more than anyone could love anything so i think i think the decision turned out good for her too absolutely i know she's thrilled yeah. obviously she loves you guys Man, it's, it's been crazy. 20 24 yeah. and 27 years yeah but yep hmm. <clears throat> by the yeah, way <laughs> so i don't think that you guys should be worried about the fact that maybe right now you're thinking a little less like you want kids i think you know depending upon how your lives go over the next few years you know, that might change again. Probably I mean, will. So grandma and grandpa had all of you when they were super young. Yes. And your parents did in their early 20s. Um, but you guys had us. You were 33? No, 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 what? no. What? I was much when younger you had than me? that. Well, let me think. Uh, uh, ni- I was born <laughs> here in ni- we go. I was born in 1994. Uh, in 94, I would have been 59, 69, 79, 89. Isn't I would have been 35. You're right. 30, I was probably 34 five. when I had you. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, when I, was, I was right. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I was a few years old. younger than that, actually. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, so 35 when you had me yeah. and 30, how old is Lauren? 32 when you had She's her. She's three years younger or yeah. older than you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, it's not on the later side, but that's late compared to. 
Everyone else we just talked I don't, about. Yeah, everyone else from back then. I don't think it's late cons- compared to now. Mm-hmm. I think many people have uh, yeah, kids the, when they're in their early 30s. It's definitely so. shifted yeah. later. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, there's no rush to make a decision. No, there it's definitely just, is not. It's just an interesting thing to think about because the, mm-hmm. idea, the idea of having kids as a whole mm-hmm. is... It's just like, it's a very cool, cool thing. And everyone does it. I obviously, you, you guys know me. I'll never feel the pressure from anyone about anything to do something, mm-hmm. including like, if, is having the kids the, what you're supposed to do? Like, I don't buy into that shit. But, yeah. but I mean, the idea is so much different than what it actually obviously takes <laughs> to have a kid. Mm. And if you have these passions and you're trying to pursue these things, then it means putting them aside or mm-hmm. putting them away. Or yeah, it could. I mean, as you know, of my three sisters, so of the four of us, only two of us do have kids. Two of my sisters chose mm-hmm. not to have children and are very happy in their lives, but they've led very different lives than those of us that did have kids mm-hmm. because when you have kids, you obviously give all of yourself to your children as they're growing up, whereas my two sisters that didn't have kids have traveled extensively. Right. You know, I think they've been able to put away money and retire earlier and things like that because... Mm-hmm. You know, of those reasons, not having kids are expensive. They take up time, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, you know, what? it's it's interesting. People talk about baby fever and I, I go back and forth between whether I want kids or not. It's never around children. It's like I'll meet someone really cool or mm-hmm. I'll. In, in, it's interesting, like visiting here and seeing the relationship you have with your dad. And I'm like, that's so cool. It's always when I see like adults and their relationship with their parents that I'm like, it would be really cool to have a kid like that one day. Mm. That's nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, specifically about <laughs> us, it's nice to hear. Mm-hmm. But just in general, I think that's a great way. That's a great way to look at things and, you know, natural Sa- feeling. Sarah's been pretty stoked now that she's been in New York and keeps <laughs> seeing us interact. Right. Because she's very excited that she likes you so much. Oh, that's <laughs> nice to hear. Thank and you. And that one day I could potentially grow up and be exactly like you. <laughs> don't count. Don't bank on that. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, st- we're still kind of different a little bit. Well, um, we are different. I think there is a lot that's very similar between the two of us and our personalities, but there's a lot that's different also. <laughs> Sarah, can you, can you explain the one very similar thing that happened yesterday? Which one? At the Mets at game, the game in the parking lot. Can I? Ex- okay, well... Eric just is always making cheesy jokes. And when he finds a joke that satisfies him, he's not ashamed to keep doing it again and again. <laughs> every time a new person gets involved. So, um, I don't know. You explain it. <laughs> Basically, we, we all we all met in the parking lot for this game. And four of us went together, me and Sarah and uh, my dad and my stepmom. And then all my sisters and their significant others came separately and, and met us there. So my sister Jessica and her boyfriend come up, and I haven't seen her in a few months. So I, I reach out my arms like, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. Let me hug you. And, of course, I walk right by my sister and hug her boyfriend. And Jessica's like, oh, Eric, blah, 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 blah. So that's then, how she sounds. Yeah, that's not how she sounds at all. I don't think and I was, didn't see that happen, by the way. Right, so Dad didn't see this. And then, like, 20 minutes later, my sister Lauren and her boyfriend show up. And my dad goes, watch this. And he walks up and goes, oh, it's so good to see you. And stretches out his arms and then hugs her boyfriend. And Lauren's like, wow, dad, you did that last year when we went, all went to a Met game together. <laughs> and and then and he was like, oh, yeah, did you see that? It was so funny. He didn't say that. But I was like, dad, I literally did that to Jessica. <laughs> I, was like, I just did that like 20 minutes ago. He's like, really? I didn't see that. 
Uh, <laughs> so we are we are pretty similar. So you're pretty. You're already there with the dumb dad jokes. <laughs> I, I've been dad joking it up for a few years. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I wanna I wanna keep talking about kids and keep progressing in uh, chronological order. But first, I just want to mention that. So we're all like I said, we're all in New York. Me and Sarah are visiting. We're in the basement of my dad's house. We're all drinking Moscow mules out mm-hmm. of. Uh, <laughs> out of copper mugs ASMR as here. ASMR we're drinking Moscow mules out of <laughs> copper mugs I'm putting a Moscow mule in your ear okay um, and we all we all ate double double beyond cheeseburgers beyond mm. burgers with with cheese and the whole family loved them mm-hmm. so uh, mm, beyond burger <laughs> so uh, if there's a sponsor I want it's beyond, beyond meat. meat that would be Sick. So hook it up. I know you're listening. Um, yeah, I just I wanted to give the audience a little uh, context of uh, where where we are physically mm-hmm. and emotionally and <laughs> food foodily, gastrointestinally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh. Um, so speaking of nothing on that topic, um, you know, we were we were kind of brainstorming topics we could bring up to Dad um, and what what we want to what we want to talk about. That's what brainstorming means. Um, <laughs> so I, so I've, I've mentioned in the podcast before that when I was a senior in high school, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I've talked about, this was episode six or Maybe, seven. Yeah. What is death, dude? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I talked about how it affected all people, the people around me quite differently than it affected me as myself. Um, and I talked to my sister and my mom and uh, dad and I have talked about this. I just made so many sounds. I, just went, rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> I talked to my dad about this extensively. Um, but I wanted to ask you on the pod, it's kind of a broad question, but what was it, what was it like? What was that whole experience wow. like? So, so for, for context, it was summer before my senior year of high school and I felt a little a little bump in my neck that we kept an eye on and eventually it grew into this big bulging thing and we were like this is probably not good so we went to a doctor one doctor told me I didn't have cancer he was the one who sat really close to me remember that mm-hmm. the close talker um, have I told you that story basically he, he slid his chair up really close to me and said Eric we don't know what it is but it's not cancer and I was like I don't care please move away from me you're well. too close <laughs> um, and then it ended up being being cancer mm-hmm. so you remember that i presume i recall yes <laughs> <laughs> what what were your initial feelings well it's really interesting because and i talk about this a lot i still think about it all the time obviously and tell people stories about it so it's something that's still fresh in my mind even though it was years ago now Almost but seven years ago wow yeah you know obviously when you first hear that your kid is diagnosed with cancer it's devastating to hear because you think the worst i mean i think it's just a natural thing that people think the worst and you get upset but then you almost immediately feel that you need to be strong for your child and you shove that all to the back and sit there being strong for your child so but you're an interesting case because you hear you hear a lot about people, whether they're adults or kids, when they're diagnosed with cancer, rising to the occasion and being positive. And, but you were the epitome of that. I mean, from the first second, you were like, 
fuck cancer, I'm going to beat this thing, and you were, your outlook was good, and you were very up about it, and you never wallowed or were depressed or anything like that. So so that was great, and it also, not that it was about me, but it helped it took me. A, it took because a little burden off. <laughs> it, not a burden, but it makes you feel a little more relaxed knowing that you kind of rose to the challenge and were ready and willing to go through this whole thing with the right attitude. And attitude, I fully believe, as a lot of people do, has a lot to do with it when you're going through treatment for cancer. Mm -hmm. And your attitude was just amazing from beginning to end. It was really great. And that, that helped our entire family, I think. And I think you know that, but, but it did. I think the fact that you had such a good attitude made everybody a little more relaxed about it. And, and we I could said, joke about it. And, and I said in that episode, I was like, yeah, everyone was like, oh, my God, it's just so bad. And I was like, guys... It'll be fine. <laughs> Just like, don't worry about it. Well, it was bad, by the way. I mean, you had stage four, yeah. you know, uh, lymphoma, which lymphoma is very treatable for young men like you when you had it. But it was pretty advanced at the time, and you went through some pretty severe treatment, and we watched it kick the crap out of you. And I feel like, I feel like that whole gung ho, super positive attitude, mm -hmm. like having gone through it one time. If it were to come back, I'd be like. <sighs> Man, nah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like God. whatever this time. Uh, I feel you would true. probably rise to the occasion once again, but let's hope we never have to find out. Well, it's so interesting from you know from my perspective, like so, especially we won't get into the healthcare thing in this fucking country, oh, but good. but like if I got cancer now, I would I, I don't know what I would do. Like I I can't even with my health insurance, I can't afford that. Like I couldn't afford to. Well, thank God with your health insurance, it wouldn't be like your cancer treatments, as we've talked about in the past, probably cost over a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. So thank God with health insurance, it still pro cost us a lot of money, right. but it was manageable. So yeah. we didn't go broke or have to take out loans for your treatment because of health insurance. And, if, God forbid, you had to go through it again, it would be similar. Yes, it would cost you a lot of money, but... I would have to move back here and, like, be with you guys. Oh, possibly. Like, take yeah, possibly. Sarah, move but... home and take care of me. <laughs> 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 but, again, let's just hope we never have to uh, right, right. try that out for real. But, but, well, it was definitely uh, helpful having a supportive team around me. Yeah. But do you remember... So, I remember full out, like, crying about it yeah one time yep which was in dr atlas's office I totally remember that so yep. so we asked him we were like so what's the uh, the treatment like and he was this like, is right after you found out or yeah this is okay. the same yeah day. this was yeah this was when we went to the oncologist to kind of explain what the scenario was gonna and be met now. my doctor yeah. for the first time mm -hmm. i like to tell the story of the first time i met him he saw my wiener because, <laughs> because I'm such a child. Because he, he, you know, like your groin is a is a hot. It's, you have lymph, lymph nodes, nodes down there. Yeah. So he had to check every part of me. He's like, all right, like pull your trousers down. And I was like, Doc, I just met you. Um, and I just thought it was I thought it was so strange how I met this doctor for the first time. He's like, well, you have to take your pants off. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, God, that's so strange. <laughs> anyway, so I think that's hilarious because I'm an immature little child. But. <laughs> Uh, where was I going? Yeah, so we asked when what, you cried, right? We asked you cried too. We when asked we what cried. what the treatment was going to be, and we were like uh, chemo, hoping the answer would be no, no, nothing like that. And he was like, "Yep," and he kind of you know said a little more than he was like, "Okay, I'll give you guys some time." And he, him and all of his. Do you remember how many people were there that day? Yeah, it was Doctor Atlas and his uh, 
I, I don't know I don't know the professional medical terms, but there was the person right underneath him who studied like an intern and uh, this Dr. person. Dr. A, you remember yeah, her? Yeah, and yeah. this person and that person and all these like college kids studying. Mm-hmm. There were like seven people in the room with us yeah. and they all Dang. they all filed out and then we looked at each other and we were just like, <gasps> just tears. Yeah. Because it's such a, you know, chemo's that kind of, okay. that word. That was probably the only time that you really broke down over the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I did other times, by the way, but not in front of you. Yeah. Only in front of Claudia. Aw. Yeah. That's my stepmother for people who don't know who that is. Um, Can I ask you? Mm -hmm. You've been on the other side of it. Yeah. From the child's perspective. And I wasn't living at home at the time. So what what are you asking? I don't know. What was was that situation like? So your dad was sick two separate times. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You were in college at the time? No, I was out of college. Oh. Uh, I think it was, I was a year or, t- or a year and a half out of college. Um, and the first time, I don't think it was advanced at all. They just found a lump in his throat. And they were like, yeah, well, we're going to operate and do some radiation. And that's fine. I don't think he did chemo the first time. Mm-hmm. He was actually pronounced cancer-free after that. Oh, and then wow. it ended up coming back elsewhere and then just spreading. Um, so I think it was like kind of... The way that you felt that you had to be st- strong for your kid and then it's, it's so interesting because then you said that you you never really broke down and I and I asked you I think even in that other episode did you feel like you had to be strong for other people or did that just kind of come naturally to you what did I say it sounded like it kind of was just natural like you weren't yeah. having crazy like thoughts and taking yeah. it to the worst yeah, place that's possible. what I think too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, which is cool I think that my dad was freaking out at, at least the second time around and still felt like he had to be strong because he was supporting my mom and my sister. Um, so he put forth, he always put forth a very like strong front. Yeah. So did you ever see him break down over his diagnosis or? Yeah. You did? Near, closer to the end. Mm. There were a couple times when he knew like he was going to die from it. It just was, we didn't have a time frame. Right. Like, um, so at that point, yes, um, but not until then, mm. maybe the last couple months. But I imagine that was very hard. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we never, fortunately, we never had that. Mm-hmm. You know, that from, from the get-go, they were like, yeah, there's a 75% chance you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, be, just because of the nature of the oh, disease. Oh, they knew that right away? Maybe. Yeah, Hodgkin's lymphoma for when... Eric's age at the time is a pretty common young men get it. It's very common. And the recovery rate is very high. It's one of the most, it's one of the highest recovery rates of any cancer. Mm -hmm. But it also leads to more cancer down the road. So even though you have a very good chance of survival, there's also a higher chance than the normal person of getting cancer somewhere else down the road, a different kind of cancer. Okay. So well, and they told the me thing you got to watch out for. They told me the risk of getting cancer again, the risk is higher from for chemo from all the side effects. of chemo. Right. Right. So they're like, Oh, doxorubicin will like, will mess up your heart. And That's you, which, insane you have to keep, to you have to keep yeah. your, you know, your heart looked at by your cardiologist. Okay. And you know, like these two drugs, you know, when they're used together, I'm kind of bullshitting this. They're like, <laughs> like, like these okay. are, these are linked to getting leukemia later in life. And mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, but if you okay. think about it, chemo is poison. They're pretty much right. poisoning your body. So it's got to have some negative effect, even though it's helping you. Mm-hmm. What I say is that chemo kills everything except for you, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's just why your hair falls out and, mm-hmm. and everything's terrible. But 
So, okay, so we got the diagnosis, and we started. I started treatment fairly soon after that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah. And now I'm, I'm pulling questions really out of yeah. nowhere. Do you remember the first day we went into the hospital for treatment? I do. I don't remember a lot of details because of the poison. We the aforementioned. Yeah, poison. well, yeah, I could see that, and right. also it's a lot to ingest at the time. Yeah, and yeah, I remember a lot of it very clearly. I mean, sure. You know, we went in and everybody in that hospital was great. And I don't know if you remember, you probably do. We had a decision to make right off the bat because you were 17, almost 18, and they were trying to decide whether you would be treated in a hospital with kids, a pediatric unit for cancer, or adults. And because you could have gone either way at that point. And we had a decision to make and we, we looked into it very deeply and, and I'm a with a hundred percent certainty say we made the right decision because mm-hmm. we decided that you should be treated in a pediatric unit, even though you would be one of the oldest kids there. But if you went to an adult unit, you don't get as much attention. They kind of plop you in a chair and hook you up to chemo and leave you alone because mm-hmm. that's what adults would want. But in the pediatric unit, you were really catered to. There were other kids there. You actually mentored a couple of these younger kids and became friends with them and sang to them and I was did like the all camp counselor of the yeah, which the was really award. and not only was it great for the kids, I think it was great for you as well. Oh, yeah. So you know that was definitely the right decision. That atmosphere was perfect for you. It was much better than an adult atmosphere, and and everybody there was great in that hospital, and they loved you because you were Mister Personality from the second you got in there. <laughs> can't remember? chemo can't kill that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, remember the nurse? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, I was going to say the nurse you had a crush on, whose yeah. name I don't remember. I'm sure uh, you do though. Oh yeah, I do in the back of my head. Uh, uh, Priscilla. Priscilla, yeah, and she was <laughs> wonderful. I mean, they were all wonderful. Well, but. it was just funny because she was like. She was probably in her 30s, and I was like this high school kid with cancer, and I was like still trying to flirt with her <laughs> right. like, from the hospital. But she's like, I'm literally giving you drugs so you don't die, and you're like trying to flirt with <laughs> Of course, it was all like a funny thing, but it was. But- I, I remember having a conversation at our at your friend's house um, with a bunch of a bunch of their friends or distant relatives or whatever. Um and I remember talking to someone who had cancer at some point in her adult life, and she mentioned, she was like, yeah, you really don't want to be in an adult chemo ward cancer really? area. Because she said, she, she said, like, if you think if you think pediatrics is depressing, watching adults who have lost hope mm-hmm. and have yeah. stopped caring yeah. in there is just so, so much worse. Mm-hmm. Because all I the kids, it'd be kids, very depressing and quiet and depressing. And, you know. All all the kids, they haven't lived their life. They're all very, they're all positive and and want to get through it. And, uh, and I've heard some of the adults are just like, hmm, what can you do? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember they told me that person told me when she was there, there were some people like wheeling their chemo bags like out to the emergency exit, like smoking cigarettes outside. Oh my god! Because they're just like, well, whatever, which is you know ridiculous to me, but. Yeah. Dad put a dad put a lot of time dr- driving me to and from the hospital, um, as did my mom. But my mom lives a little farther away, so it was more difficult for her. But we all spent a lot of time going back and forth. And we did, and there are, believe it or not, a lot of truly fond memories that I have of that right? time. Yeah, which is weird to say because there are also a lot of not fond memories, mm-hmm. but. 
There really are a lot of fun memories. I hear certain songs, and I immediately think of the time that we spent all that time together at Chemo. And and even though it was Chemo and you were sick and all that, we got to spend a lot of quality time together, you know? And yeah. how many father-sons can say that when their kid's a senior in high school, which is like, right. that's usually the time you get those wings and you get a driver's license and, mm -hmm. you know, you're out all the time and you don't see your parents. And so it was very different. You were being homeschooled at the time. The teachers were coming to you and we were together all the time. And I, I think it was great. I mean, I did so well in school because I was getting right. one-on-one -on -one tutored. Yeah. And it was just so easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my teachers pitied me. Give me a little, <laughs> yeah. do you, does, does this bring up any questions? Or like, I'm curious what you're thinking of questions. Because I don't want to. I don't want to have it be like right. The two of us are reminiscing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Eric talks sometimes about how he feels like after he got cancer, he was like a nicer, like more positive, kinder person. Do you, did you observe that? Do you think? Um. God, if we go to now, all the way up to the current time, no. But, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but yes, I think after there was definitely mm -hmm. a certain appreciation for life and mm -hmm. an appreciation for health. And, and you can definitely tell overall the way Eric changed his life and his lifestyle because of his illness. And it's obvious to anybody who knows him. I mean... You know, before that, Eric was always, you know, I've always been a little bit to a little more than a little bit overweight. Um, Eric, when he was growing up, was a chubby kid, just like I was growing up. I was a porker. And <laughs> since he got sick, he's, as you know, he's in great shape. He works out all the time, has been a vegan for many years now, really takes care of himself. So all that is one of the real positive things that came out of Eric getting cancer. There's no question. As you know, thirty minutes ago, I ate a double cheese, a double <laughs> vegan cheeseburger, and now I'm drinking uh, soda and vodka. It's diet soda. It is diet soda. That's true. Right. But you know, so what I reference to Sarah and I, what I talk about, you know, becoming a different kind of person is like the way I treated my friends compared to then how I treat them now. I, I mean, I don't know if you know this because you weren't you know with me and hanging out with me and my friends all the time right but i was just always i was always that friend that was like punching my friend it's like i thought it was funny it was like oh yeah i'm gonna punch you in the arm and blah 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 and just like generally not i mean you guys know like the way i am with my with my buddies we're so sarcastic and we rip on each other make fun of each other but it's very mutual and we right. talk about how it's okay to do that right but some but i would it would not be okay when i was you know middle school and high school and i was kind of an asshole as a child and i feel like after that i had this this whole new outlook and i was like wow mm -hmm. I, and i didn't think about it i don't think i didn't i didn't have a conscious like i have to stop being this kind of person mm -hmm. you know it just kind of no an experience molded. like that legitimately changes you and changes the way you th think about life and things i'm glad it happened when i was when i was younger and yeah it didn't take me all that all yeah. that time to uh yeah hmm. it's very true I need a sip of this. <laughs> These mugs get so cold. The handle. Mm -hmm. well, that's what's good about them. Mm. Delightful. Is there anything else you're thinking of? That was. Um, I like that prompt. Also, you have the you have the nicest voice. <laughs> and people are going to be like, "Where was Sarah during this episode?" I'm observing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, I guess another question, going back to how you felt you you needed to be strong for Eric. It, Eric has a lot of siblings. Do you feel like that added on to it or? 
Um, you mean me needing to feel strong because of mm-hmm. his siblings, or mm-hmm. that they also felt strong? You kind of being the putting on a strong face to well, make everyone feel okay. A- and- a- absolutely, mm-hmm. and especially Eric's sister Lauren, mm-hmm. who was away from the house at the time. She mm-hmm. was in college, so part of her she had she had some guilt along with the whole thing that she wasn't around for a lot of mm-hmm. this. And I think you know she's a sensitive person and shocker. They really like Like everybody in our family. (laughs) Um, But so I think she needed to be not, you know, reaffirmed or anything. But, yes, she needed to say that we, because she was away, she needed to know that here we were being strong and we were okay. Okay. So, yes, I definitely felt the need to make sure Lauren knew that everything was going to be all right and Mm -hmm. we were doing fine and Eric was doing great and it was a constant thing because when you're away from the situation, it's hard to hard to imagine. You know, you're four hours away from what's going on. You want to be there with your brother who's sick. And mm-hmm. so it was hard for her. And as far as her step-siblings, I think it was the same thing. But it was really more about Lauren, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two of Eric's step-siblings are older at this right. point, were older, are older than him. But <laughs> That's how age works. Sorry. But, <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit different. But yes, because Claudia, um, my wife, Eric's stepmom. My wife. <laughs> also had a very strong, positive outlook and okay. was a real driving force in being with Eric and helping him get better and making sure the kids were okay, making sure the house was okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so... We also never had a strong relationship, Claudia and I, until... Mm -hmm. Basically until I got sick. Right, that's probably true. I mean, mean, yeah, there were were rocky... There were other rocky moments up until... I think think in the last few years, we... Well, typical blending of families when you're a teenager is not easy, and there are things to work through. But from now and, you know, for the last few years, you know, we don't fight anymore. Right. We used to fight when I was a child. Right. And I think that all started with me being sick and Claudia just being another person in my life who took care of me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just... It it wasn't just my mom when I was with her or my dad when I was with him or my siblings. It was like... Claudia was this third parent figure who yeah. took care of me. There's no question you guys became much closer after that. I right. think had more of an understanding of each other too because you spent more time together and you know more caring went into it and all of that. So there's the, there's the famous joke in our household. You know when I was sick, yeah, um, Claudia would be like, okay, you know, Allison, do this, do this thing. Lauren, do this thing. Eric, do this chore. And I'm like. <laughs> My cancer hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, empty the fucking dishwasher. <laughs> and then you can worry about your cancer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's something we always joked about. But, um, so we're at, we're at 52 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not cutting it here or anything, so I want to keep talking. But I don't know. That's, that's all we have. That's Planned. all we have written down for mm-hmm. prompts and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of asked you this before. Like, is there anything that, you know, came from came from this conversation that I don't know is there any, anything else you want to bring up or talk about or ask us about relating to your illness or relating just in anything, terms of anything anything because you know we like we got all these questions from people looking for advice mm-hmm. on things and um, I don't know you're older and wiser <laughs> and 
We asked you Am how. I though? <laughs> yes. Well, you're definitely the first one. I'm definitely older. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I asked you before. I was like, well, is there anything you might want to say, like, to drop some knowledge bombs on our listeners about? That's a lot of pressure. I know. That's, yeah. I don't know how to how to ease that. I don't know. I like that. I always just like asking people, like, what is the number one advice you'd give to yourself at oh, our yeah. age? That's for a example. Great question. Oh. I mean, we could ask we could ask you this uh, before we started the podcast so you could think about it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you were going to say what would just to make sure I'm clear on it, mm-hmm. what would be my advice to you guys or to or yourself? You? Oh, to myself I, if I was 21 in my 20s again yeah. now. I think part of it would be not to be so hard on myself and so stressed out about where I am in my life at that time because when you're that age, or you're a guy's age, I should say, in there, mm-hmm. you feel like, oh my God, the clock's ticking. Either it's, I don't have a set career yet, or I don't have a set life. I'm in a lot limbo about a lot of things. But that's all part of the process. And you need to, different people need different time to go through things and get to different points in their life and where they need to be. And that happens naturally, and I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves when they're your age to, I got to have the career, I got to be making this amount of money, or I got to fulfill all my creative you know, aspirations now. There's that word again that we used <laughs> earlier aspirations. today. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think my number one advice would be don't put too much pressure on yourself because that's this is the way life is and mm-hmm. it will kind of carry you where you least expect it and things will generally work out fine. So and even if they don't, it usually leads up to something that is fine when things go wrong. So do you relate to that? I mean, this is like it's like advice I would because somebody asked me a couple weeks ago advice I would give to myself at age 20 which feels like a different lifetime to me right. and it's that advice basically like stop yeah. freaking out so much but now that I'm this age I'm like well now it's time to freak out but so it's, it's not <laughs> but I think what you're saying is very poignant because mm-hmm. I think that's very common with most people who give a damn about themselves and others and life mm-hmm. they put way too much pressure on themselves to be somewhere they're not at yet and it's kind of that always looking, you know, for more and not being content in the life you're in. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just a lot to be said with, I mean, unless you're a total loser and you're spending all your days on the couch and doing nothing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking yeah. more about, you know, if you're out and you're doing what you should be doing and you're enjoying life, make sure you are enjoying that life that yeah. you are because, you know, you only get one shot as far as we know. So. Right. Well, what comes to mind for me is, you know, me and the two guys in in my band, mm-hmm. we we all struggle with the, like, sh- t- time's running out. You know, I mean, you guys know I do this. I look at, like, I look at the guys from my favorite band, from Green Day. And, like, Billy Joe is, you know, he was... He was like 18 when... Right. He, well, I mean, they were like 15 or 16 when they started the band. By that time, Dookie, their breakthrough record came out. He was 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 24 and I'm like, fuck. Like, they were signed to a major label when they made that record and 
now they're like they've been famous superstars for 25 years and billy joe's not even 50 see but that puts undue pressure on you because there are also dudes who got famous when they were 50 and they've been doing it for 35 years and everyone in the band thinks about this and we have to reassure (laughs) each other one by one at different and if i may has somebody who's watched you progress since you were really a little kid as a musician you put out your first album which was a real album when you were like 14 years old. It was bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it was good or bad, but you played every instrument on that album. You recorded it yourself. You made CDs. You made 50 copies. You made covers. You had them all. Yeah. And yeah, it might not have been the most complete, well-recorded album or the greatest songs. It wasn't songs, Abbey Road. You were 14, and those songs were pretty good, and that's a pretty good job. And since then, you've put out I don't know, four or five four. other albums? I think. Four? Maybe. I mean, and you're still very young. I realize, yeah, yeah Billy yeah. Joe was hitting it at that right, time. Right. But, you know, you've done a lot in your musical mm-hmm. career. And now you're at a point where I know you want to try and move it to the next step. Yeah. You're at the hardest point so far. And it's not easy to, to get it. But it's not easy. I believe in you. It's not easy you to do anything, it. really. So, well, <laughs> and those of you out there who've never heard Eric's music, <laughs> go it. listen to it because it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll pl- He's amazingly we, talented. We can, we can plug the band. Yes. I mean, I've, I've said Exit Liberty on the podcast Have before. You? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, well, just following in the, in the passions thing. So, like Sarah and I have talked about in the last few episodes, the giving advice portion of the podcast has kind of been wavering for us. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it doesn't feel like the right thing for us to do. And, you know, yeah. we've been having these conversations. We've been enjoying it a lot more. But... I, I just pulled up one email we've gotten in since in like the last few weeks since we haven't done advice. Okay. Can I read the email and we could all we could all give this one person advice because it's in line with the passions sure. kind of topic. Um, but before I do that, if you want to write us in and ask for advice, we may get to it. We may we may never. Or prompt us on a topic to discuss. Or prompt us on a topic. Um, you can email us in at advice at whatislifedo.com. Dad, now you say it. Wait, oh, don't. <laughs> Advice <laughs> at whatislifedude.com. Advice at whatislifedude.com. <laughs> or, as a voiceover man would say, please write to us at advice at whatislifedude.com. All right, now, three-part harmony on dot com. Oh, my God. Dot, dot com. com. We're waiting for the third part of harmony. Okay. Sarah, Sarah doesn't do well on the spot. <laughs> as you may have noticed. Um, <laughs> Extreme discomfort. Okay. So we got an email on on August 31st, a few weeks ago, from Chrissy B. She says, I'm going to... Actually, it's not that long. I'll read the whole thing. She said, hello, my name is Chrissy. I'm 18, and I've recently started college at CU Denver. Shout out, Colorado. Woo-hoo. Right now, I'm a biology major. Uh, I do like science and all that jazz, but I, know, I don't know if I'll enjoy my life if I'm a biologist. I don't want to be stuck in a lab for the rest of my life. First of all, that sounds awesome. Being being oh, man, that sounds amazing. I've also Unless re- you're the subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've also recently found out that I really want to start a vegan food blog because I love cooking. I have so many ideas, and when I think about doing this, I feel very excited and passionate. I've never felt like this about anything before, and I think I might want to change my major to computer science to be a web developer. I'm wondering what your advice is about how you know what you should be really doing in life. I feel like I'm in a quarter-life crisis, and I don't know what the right thing to do is. SOS, thank you, and have a fantabulous day. Chrissy B. Fantabulous. So the question is, how do you know? It always comes back to this. How do you know what the fuck you should be doing mm-hmm. with your life? 
How do you know, Dad? <laughs> I was going to say this one's great for Sarah because she has. This is right up her right. alley. I mean, this is what she does. You got to feel it. Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean, going back to the advice we he just gave, you you never. I don't think you ever really reach a point of knowing a hundred percent what direction your life is going in. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to feel feel for it because. Your your goals are always going to change. Once you have what you thought you wanted was the ultimate goal, you're going to want something else. Right. So, I don't know. I would say, at, just like we were talking about before, I mean, if she still has an interest in biology mm-hmm. and working in a lab, but also wants to do the other thing, I don't see the harm in pursuing both angles because... As a biology major, if you're interested in that and you're good at it and you get your degree in it, you can get a job that you would probably enjoy if you enjoy the whole biology thing and still be able to feed your creative juices and possibly at some point turn that into the full-time career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it is, yeah, maybe you continue as the biology major or whatever the exact major was, Mm -hmm. and maybe you minor in the web design and be able to get get your knowledge on that and start doing that Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to be exclusive of one or the other i don't think so you know one could be a career while you're working on the other thing which is very similar to get off topic to Mm -hmm. you eric yeah so i believe that you can certainly do both until you really Maybe this, you know, maybe the blog takes off and you're mm-hmm. able to say, hey, I like this more than biology and working mm-hmm. in the lab, so I'm going to get out of that. But I don't know that you would know that yet until you really right. pursued you gotta, both as a career. You got to try. Yeah. Which is my advice yeah. to try both. Right. Try everything. I mean, as far as switching majors, though, you don't, I, I took some, I was declared in computer science for a full year. So I know about it, but you don't. You definitely don't need to know web dev to be a blogger. There's so many tools out there. See, she knows you know the what term I mean? web dev. Right. You know that. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to <laughs> know go. anything about the the back end there. So I mean, I actually I do recommend taking computer science classes for everyone though because mm-hmm. it's really fun and it completely changes the way yeah. that you see the world. Mm-hmm. Same with like math, but um, so they're fun. But you don't need to necessarily don't feel like in order to be a successful blogger, you need to know about all of the back end stuff. Um, but maybe yeah. a business course or two, mm-hmm. just in oh, general, yeah. on how to run a business or definitely. Learn think about, the different, I think about yeah. taking those now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could try to think about um, all of all of the things that would go along with the blog, because you know, like you said, look at it from look at it from a business angle, look at it from a mm-hmm. web designer and development angle, yeah, and think how can I totally encompass all these things that would make me so much better at this, mm-hmm. at right. this job that I want to pursue. Also, yeah. you have so much time. I'm not saying like, oh, you're so young. You have so much time. I mean, literally day to day, you end up with so much more time. You just have to prioritize things. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some days where I have to prioritize make it, you know, mixing the album we're making or, or doing this thing. Mm-hmm. I have to prioritize that over the and Sarah spending time together. And it sucks. But, some, but ultimately, the goal is ultimately that'll pay off those nights where I'm like, I have to do this. And Sarah, you do it too. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I have to work on this thing. Yeah. Love you, but I got to work on this thing. Peace. Peace. <laughs> yeah. And also to go back to her question for a minute, mm-hmm. I think now is a good time for her to explore all that while she's in school. Mm-hmm. She's got plenty of time to, even if she doesn't change majors, to graduate and kind of figure it out. There's no, you know, she is young. She's and, 18. She's, mm-hmm. a, yeah, she's just I mean, started school. She's a freshman. 
You don't feel that way when you're 18, just like you guys don't feel that way when you're 25 or mm-hmm. 28 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. When you're of the age, you kind of feel a sense of urgency. Oh but yeah. Well, actually, I have a question about that. And it's like, I felt so young when I was 24 mm-hmm. and something about just like two years pass, and yep. I'm like, I'm old. Yeah. Like, do you ever get like, do you, I don't know if it's even the same for like men versus women. Cause I feel like women and aging, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, do you ever make peace with aging? Do you feel? Um, I think that's different for everybody. Obviously mm-hmm. it's probably an obvious thing to say, mm-hmm. but I think in certain respects, I'm always at peace with aging. Like okay. I'm not the kind of person who goes, you know, oh, I can't believe how old I'm getting because, <laughs> you know, the appearance of being that old, the things that bother me about aging are how mm-hmm. my body hurts more okay, and I get injured quicker and I can't play basketball anymore mm-hmm. and things like that are what bother me about aging. Losing my hair, that doesn't bother me. Okay. Um, you know, just being older, I mean, in a way, I'm like, ooh, I might be able to retire in a few years. Like, that kind of <laughs> I'm excites I'm going to get discounts <laughs> in a few years from yeah, now. right, yeah. I'm getting mail from ARP every week. Like. <laughs> ARP? Yeah. What, is, what does that stand uh, for? Association, uh, American Association of Retired People. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, something like that. I started getting that mail when I was like 50, by the way. Oh, they God. do that. But, That'll make you feel So old. I don't, yeah, I think there's a, a certain amount of I'm always at peace with aging, and there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of aging sucks because of the physical ailments and just those things that annoy you as you're aging. Mm -hmm. So that's really more of what it is. But I do think what you said is very true about most people, how whatever age you are, Mm -hmm. you feel like you're older. You feel like, you know, you're closer to the end of the line, even though, you know, from somebody from my aspect who's 30 years older than you, I'm like, hey, you're really young. You got plenty (laughs) of time. So, you know. Well, the the interesting thing to me is that I've never once felt any kind of old in my life yeah until like a few weeks ago when someone at work we hired someone new and they you know they were doing that thing where they they guess how old trav is and they guess how old my other co-worker is and yada 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 they guessed how old i am then you know you know this growing up everyone always everyone if they were to guess they were to guess four or five six years older than i actually am and especially once I could grow a beard that started happening more. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like, oh, 28, 29. And I'm like, I'm 23. I'm 24. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, for some reason, had this moment, especially at my, my job, um, aside from like the interns, uh-huh. I'm like, I've, I've been the youngest one. And then we hired some other people. But now I'm not the youngest one. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, everyone's like, oh, my God, you're only 23. And, you know, you have this, this band in this job. I'm always like, yeah, I'm only 23. <laughs> and for some reason, saying I was 24 made me feel like... Yep. So old, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because I'm yeah. so obviously not. But I'm I, dying. This is I the think end. that happens to people at every age. People turn thirty and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm 30. and then all of a sudden you're thirty five and you're like, "Oh my oh god, god, I'm 30. forty. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. god, I'm fifty. And yeah. every one of those changes becomes a momentous milestone. And it's like when you reflect back, you're like, "Wow, when I was forty, I was so young. Mm-hmm. That's the way I feel now. It's like. Yeah. I, it's weird to say it, but yeah. Did you ever? Do we ever get an answer out of you when? Uh, when? So, so you told about. Uh, you talked about how you asked your aunt when did you start oh, feeling yeah, like no, an adult, didn't. and she said thirty six. Uh, did you like? When did I start feeling like an adult? Can you recall like a moment? That's a tough one to answer. But right? if I was just going to kind of go out on a limb and say it, I would think it was when I started having kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. I think that's like probably a standard answer for people because right. then you really feel like now I have these little humans who I'm responsible <laughs> for. And if it's not for me and just a couple of people, things can go wrong. Yeah. I mean, very, you yeah, really yeah. need to take care of these little things. Yeah. So These little fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that was really the time where I have to say, you know, listen, I got to get it together. And, you know, I'm a parent now, kind of. That, so. That's actually such an interesting point. You're like, if it's not for me and like one other person or maybe, you know, two other people if the grandparents are in town, like mm -hmm. one little thing can go wrong and I'll be in jail. <laughs> yeah. Oh Just from, uh, I can't, can't remember who told this story or if it was on a TV show or something, but there was something about someone forgetting, forgetting they just had a kid. And the, oh, it oh, was yeah. Red and it's Link, Red right? and Link. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So, so Rhett was talking <laughs> shout about, shout out to Rhett and Link. Yeah, shout out to my favorite <laughs> internet tainers. Um, how when Rhett first had, when he had his first kid, he just, he wasn't, it was like a few weeks and he wasn't like in his mind, he wasn't fully with the idea that he had a son. So he like went to the store to run in and grab something and he was like, oh my God, I left Shepard in the car. <laughs> I mean, that happens all too often too. Yeah. And sometimes with horrible results. I mean, if it's 90 degrees out and you end up forgetting right. your kids in the car, right. mm -hmm. it could be tragic results, which for, is unfortunate. For Rhett, he was like, well, I was in the store for like 30 seconds yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, Shep's in the car. Uh, is it weird that I know their names? I had a no. friend that, <laughs> I had a friend show. that left, luckily did not move the car, but mm -hmm had their kid in the child seat on top of the car oh, while they what? were doing something and got in the car to leave. Oh, and then before goodness. they pulled out, remembered that they left their child on the roof. I mean, I mean, I thought leaving like your coffee on top of the wow. car and driving right. away would be bad. <laughs> That's bad, but wow. yeah. Yeah, people do crazy things. I mean. And now your kids are out of college. And, and that's a jobs. whole other thing, by the way, not to keep yeah. this thing going. Up, I mean, but I, yeah. That's I a whole other it. thing. I was just saying to Claudia the other day while you're here, it's a very odd feeling for me lately I've been getting, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you, where your kids are older, they're on their own, they have their own lives. And I said it, I said, here, Eric comes home with Sarah, and, you know, it's different. It's not like, oh, we, we have all these little inside things anymore, and where he's my boy, and now he's an adult living his own life. He's got inside things with Sarah, not with yeah. me. <laughs> And he's thinking differently than I am about a lot of things. And we just, not that it's a bad thing. Obviously, you should be moving on with right. your life. But as a parent, it's very odd when your kids get to that adult point where, yeah, they're still your kids, but they're not really your kids anymore. You don't have to parent them very much. And you almost feel a sense of loss. I don't want to make it sound more than it is, but well, as you were saying, and I felt kind of sad. Yeah, you, know? you do feel a sense of loss. I feel that all the time with my kids now because it's a good thing. Like you want your kids to fly as they say, right. and be able to live their own lives. That's what you strive for. But you do feel a sense of loss when you don't have them to parent anymore, have them around all the time or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So it is a little odd, but well, with that being said, um, you know, but I, I didn't mention it before, but when you said you know, there's some songs that when you hear, it reminds, of, it reminds you of when I was sick and yep. you were going through that, you know, and I brought this up to you before how we mentioned that on the podcast last week. And and I was like, I, I know exactly what the two albums are. And, you know, me and my dad <laughs> recited the names of the Blink album and the Foo Fighters album that we were talking about just with each other, every syllable. We were like, oh, yeah, we're thinking the same exact thing. And like, even though it's not like an inside joke or something, it's like that bond will never be gone. No, absolutely not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean and it feels it feels different. 
Yeah. You look you look like you're smiling and also what? like you're about to cry. I'm good. You're Gucci? I'm doing great. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the end. Wow. The end of the episode. Okay. Can you, can you guess how many minutes? When are we recording the next podcast? <laughs> we do need a part two. When you come to Colorado, oh, I guess okay. you'll probably be there before I come back here. But yeah. Se- uh, 73 minutes wow yeah that's a good one well thank you guys for having me on it was really exciting for me thanks so. for being on yeah, our first guest ever Yay. do you know that we call you ga the p no <laughs> uh, okay well you know when i was doing the quote-unquote the veganator channel and i would yeah be eric ames the veganator yep. ea the v sarah referred to you as ga the p glenn ames the papa <laughs> were you thinking papa 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 yeah that's what i thought <laughs> Yeah, Papa the Papa, which is tradition wow. from Fiddler on the Roof. Correct. See, always full circle. <laughs> yep. Um, well, thank you for listening. Give us a, oh God, every time I still feel awkward. Can you say it? Um, give us a, a positive, hopefully, rating on iTunes. Because it helps people, it helps get, get podcasts Spread noticed. The word. And that's how it, uh, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And we're on Spotify now, too, and everything. And uh Yeah. Thanks to Dad for being on the podcast and <laughs> letting us again use for the having me. Thanks for letting us stay in your house <laughs> letting for, us use for the five basement. days. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I love you both very much. This is very Aww, fun. That's nice. Thank you. And let's go watch some football. <laughs> oh, yeah. <my> <laughs> and have an outro song. Bye. Bye.